Welcome to the podcast Hearers of the Word, offered by Kieran O'Mahony. For the month of October, these podcasts will be devoted to reflections suitable for the Synod in Rome. And in the month of October, we will use the second reading for each Sunday. These readings come from St. Paul, and we hear the voice of the early church and its greatest leader. For the first Sunday, we're hearing from Philippians 2, 1 to 11. We begin with background. The early church. The first Christian century can be mapped as follows. Until AD 30, the life and ministry, death and resurrection of Jesus. From about AD 30 to 60, the time of charism and the radical Paul. And from this period come the letters Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, 1 Thessalonians and Philemon. From about the year 60 to the year 90, the time of memory and what we may call the conservative Paul, the writing of the first Gospels, the Deutero-Pauline letters such as Ephesians and Colossians, not by Paul himself. From approximately 90 to 120, the time of institution, and from there we hear the voice of the reactionary Paul, the writing of Luke Acts, 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus, letters pretty certainly not by St. Paul. For the month of October, our readings from Philippians and Thessalonians take us to the time of charism, the time of foundation, a time of special creativity and freedom. Not least, in these letters we hear the original voice of the radical Paul. We begin with a word about Philippi. The church in Philippi was Paul's first foundation in Europe. It remained very dear to him, as can be seen from the personal and joy-filled tone of the letter. In spite of the happiness registered throughout, the letter was written in a difficult time. Paul was confined under some kind of house arrest. The Philippians sent him support through Epaphroditus, who fell ill and nearly died, causing great consternation in Philippi. A high level of anxiety is evident throughout. Epaphroditus, now recovered, was in all probability the bearer and reader of the letter sent back to Philippi. The difficulties of Paul and Epaphroditus are matched in considerable internal conflict in the community. Conflict, as we know, is completely normal, and its absence is abnormal, even unreal. Paul called the Philippians to unity and mutual humility, while warning against false teachers who want to impose the full practice of the Torah, including circumcision. That mixture of affection, joy, anxiety, conflict, unity, humility, and misleading attachment to a tradition makes the letter especially relevant in our time. And the reading is taken from Philippians 2, 1 to 11. At this point in the letter, Paul offers what we might call attitudinal advice. The the advice is in verses 1 to 5, and that is then backed up by a hymn, evidently familiar to the Philippians and cited by Paul in verses 6 to 11. So for our purposes, we'll focus on verses 1 to 5. Paul is inviting the Philippians to rise above their rivalries 
and give priority to union and communion in Christ. He draws on their reserves of love, the spirit, tenderness and sympathy, great strengths now to be used fully. This higher vision calls the community to a recognition of blocks within themselves, their own interests, competition and conceit. The realism of Paul is evident here as well as his idealism, because he goes on to call them to be self-effacing and humble, to try to put others first of all, all of the time. Paul's teaching is relevant at all levels within the community of faith. At micro level, within the parish, it would be wonderful if we were all so inwardly free, seeking the common good after the example of Jesus. At macro level, the success of a synod in Rome will depend greatly on how much all present can listen to each other with respect and love, so that we may hear together what the Spirit is saying to the churches, an appeal given seven times in the book of Revelation. The Gospel. The Gospel reading points to a compassionate church where all are welcome on the basis of need and grace. A thought from the working document of the Synod. The Continental Assemblies have emphasised a number of personal and community dispositions that can be of help. An attitude of humility and respect, the ability to listen and promote authentic conversation in the spirit, a readiness to change. This comes from the Worksheet B 1.5, the last paragraph before the question in the working document. Thank you very much, everybody.